Coffee in Space is a podcast by S. Daniel Smith that puts the best in established and up-and-coming science fiction and fantasy writers in front of you, their readers. Dan's goal is to help you learn more about who they are as people, how they write, and how they live. Whether you're listening to this podcast at home, or in your car, or somewhere in between, Dan hopes to transport you to the crew lounge on an intergalactic spaceship, where you can have a cup of your favourite coffee with science fiction and fantasy authors. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, Dan Smith here. I've uh, been on deployment for the last six and a half months or so, give or take, and uh, it took me a while to figure out how to record an episode again. And so uh, I've been a few weeks home now. And finally, just getting into the studio, I was going to do this big solo episode on uh, all the books I read. I read read around 27 books while I was on deployment. A lot of time on my hands. Probably should have been using it for other things too, but whatever. Um, But I was going to do this episode to kind of tell you about some of the books I recommend. And I've got those and I'll pepper them in periodically. But the truth is, I just had this really great recording with... Uh, author Marco Close. Uh, he's a, a German immigrant to the United States. He's been in the U.S. since uh, 1996. He's written a, a couple series of books now, and uh, he's uh, he's been in the military. He was in the German army. He writes military science fiction, and it was such a good episode, and we talked about so many different things that I've actually decided to split the episode into two parts. Um so we're going to talk about his first series in this episode, and we'll pick up with that here in just a minute. And then we'll talk about his newest works and the military in general in the second episode. So I, I really hope you'll stick around for both parts of this. Uh, the next part will come out next Monday, just in time for his newest book to be released. Uh, it's important work. He has great things to say about the stresses that the military... Uh, individuals uh, serving in the military go through and I think it's really important for all of us to um, really soak it in so whether you're attached to the military or not it's important stuff it's good stuff and so I'm going to hold off on that solo episode and get out of Marco Close's way so that he can talk so uh, without further ado let's get to the episode Okay, back to the show. So let me start with the Frontline series, Marco, um, mm-hmm. because that's where I got my introduction to your writing. Um, my Goodreads report, uh, where, by the way, everyone go friend me or follow me or whatever on Goodreads. I, I put all my reviews there. Anyway, the report says I took all of three days to read uh, Terms of Enlistment. Now, I'm a slow reader. I admit that. And some of my Goodreads reports show that. Um, so I'm a slow reader, but that just shows how how much your story uh, sucked me in, and I'm not alone. Uh, Terms of Enlistment has over 27,000 Goodreads ratings and over 1,500 full reviews. So, uh, so definitely not just me. It, how do you develop an original story that has that much impact? Um, it was the first one was kind of a one of those things where everything just comes together, you know, kind of the stroke of luck kind of things. Um, I was actually applying for a, a, a science fiction writers workshop called Bible Paradise. Um, 
and they it's basically an invitation only workshop like you have to submit some work either the first few chapters of a novel or a short story or a novella or whatever and then you know if they if they deem it you know adequate then you get an, get an invite so i uh, i procrastinator that i am with my you know i heard about the workshop like two weeks before deadline end you know before the deadline for the submissions and uh, I didn't really have anything that suited. And uh, I, I, so I wrote like, I wrote the first two chapters of, of a fantasy thing that I had in mind. And I showed it to my wife, who is my number one proofreader, my beta reader. And she reads it and she goes, hey, maybe you should uh, submit something else. That <laughs> and sounds like said, something okay. my wife has done to me before. She's also my beta reader. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I mean, I that that is it's good to have somebody in your corner who kind of like is your reality check. But uh, there was it was like, okay, now the deadline is one week to submissions, and I don't have anything yet. So then I was thinking to myself, what what is it that I always wanted to write, and then going by from that to what what do I like to read? And I like I like reading sci-fi, especially military sci-fi because I used to be in the military, and uh, I wanted to kind of like upend some of the sci-fi military sci-fi tropes that have been out there you know for all these different book series and uh, so I thought well you know if I like to read it I'm, I'm probably pretty okay at writing it so I just started writing the story without without you know spending months on world building or whatever just went in with this character that I had in mind and the setting I had in mind initial setting and it just kind of all spooled out from there and I, I wrote the first three or four chapters and then sent those in and I got accepted into the workshop and uh while I was, I, I still had a few months to go until the workshop when I got the acceptance. So I kept writing on the book. So by the time I got to the workshop, it was about halfway done. And uh, one of the editors who was in the workshop was, uh, you know, a, a big name in the in the publishing industry. It's like he's one of the big sci-fi houses. He was the first one to critique it. And uh, first thing out of first words out of his mouth when he when he got it on his desk was when we sat down to for the one on one critiques was like this is pretty readable, <laughs> and I said yeah. I just kind of made this face you know this is pretty readable he says and 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 he goes oh no no don't don't you know this is this is not this is a compliment coming from me so I want to see it when <laughs> it's done you know and so I'm just like yes so I had a really huge intent, incentive to finish it after the workshop because he's, you know he said if, when you send it to me when it's done so you know naturally <laughs> I, I hurried up finishing it and and uh, sent it in and you know the publishing world being what it is it uh, I didn't hear anything back for you know pretty much forever <laughs> and uh, so that manuscript was probably still sitting in his office but it was the, it was a catalyst it was like it was the fire that I needed to to have lit under my butt. So I got this finished and I brought it out or I sent it off and nothing happened. And I kept submitting it and kept submitting it, tried to get an agent, tried to get a publisher. Um, nothing happened. And while, while I was in the submission mill, I was like, okay, well, I, this is the first book. I kind of have a second one in mind. Might as well write that too. Because if I sell the first one, I might be able to sell the second one too in the same, in the same swing. And so I did that and it was a good thing that I did because when I eventually did get an agent and when we did get a book deal, I was able to just say, okay, you want the second two? I got it just about ready. So uh, we were able to sell them two books and it just kind of took off from there. So I had to get, do my world building as I went because the first one was kind of like a shot shoot, shooting from the hip, you know, quick draw kind of thing, which was fortunate in the end because I did it. It limited the amount of stuff that I had to retcon later on when it turned into a, an eight book series. Yeah, so that's interesting that you say it that way. I've I've had several 
uh, debut authors on, um, and I see on their Twitter feeds usually uh, right after the right before their book actually releases uh, that they're scrambling to get a second book finished mm-hmm. or the rewrites done. Uh, so that does uh, it seems to be pretty common that uh, the the second book isn't going to get the years of development that some writers get. Uh, I'm one of them. Uh, you know, I've had this you know book in my drawer for a long time, but the second book, uh, if if you've landed the agent, the editor, or whatever. Uh, you're not going to get that same time. So it is probably pretty fortuitous that you were able to yeah, it was, present the second book already. Right. It was extremely lucky. And I would, I don't know that I would recommend that. I mean, it's not, if you have the book ready and you're submitting it and you know, everything in publishing most slowly, it takes, you know, months and months to get replies back and then you send a partial in and then you get, it takes another two, three months before you get your next reply. And, and while you're doing all that, you know, while, while you're sitting idle already, and if you have more writing in mind, then might as well go ahead with that. But there's also a risk to that because then if the first one doesn't sell and you, you, you predicated the second one on the first one, then, you know, you've, you've sunk two novels worth of time into a series that didn't take off. And then, you know, they, you end up, but it's, it's, it's never a total loss because at least you got the practice time in, but you know, it's, it's a risk that you have to weigh for me. It just worked out. I, I'm not claiming that it'll, work out for anybody but i'm glad i did it because i was able to just get the give the series a good shove in the beginning and get the first two books out there uh when 47 north bought them and then i was able to build on that yeah that worked out well um and 47 north is the publisher for your new series as well right correct yes yeah that's good I, i'm sure a long-term relationship with a publisher helps oh yeah definitely so uh so there are seven books right in the frontline series and then yes. two uh, kind of in-between uh, short stories. Um, so how did you keep going back to the well for more plot out of this uh, story? Did you ever have to struggle to get a book out of the, the idea well, as it were? Or, or did the, yes. the seven oh. books co? How did oh, that work out? So, Sometimes, well, Frontlines is actually pretty straightforward because... I, I had I always had this overarching storyline in mind, like in, in broad strokes, and it's easier writing than the other series that I'm writing in, in one respect because it's first person present tense. And so we're, you know, it's one character, and I was able to, I didn't have to get into the heads of all these different characters and weave, you know, plot lines together and whatever. It's pretty linear. So in that respect, it's it's easier writing. And and it was just kind of like I had these three book arcs where I had the storyline in mind that I was, cause I'm really terrible at, at uh, predicting book length. Um, so I had, you know, Frontlines was supposed to be a trilogy. Now it's going to be eight books. So, uh, you know, you can, you can see how, how my predictive powers work <laughs> for, for book length, but, but then I have this, this overall story arc in mind. Um, and then it tends to have like this three book arc where it, where that particular storyline, but it's 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 kind of like an ongoing thing where I'm always when I'm finished with one book, I'm like, okay, where where it's gonna take the story, what needs to be the next complication that may take two books to resolve or three books to resolve or whatever. So it's kind of like is is you know how how the expanse is kind of like in these um um they had they wrote nine books and they're like in three basically three book blocks, but there's time in between, and I was like. Uh, I didn't steal that from 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 them. I just thought it would be a, a good way to, because um, I have the storyline. Some of the books are kind of back to back, like, uh, but in some of the books have years between them, and I did that intentionally so I could sandwich in time for 
you know, novellas and short stories and backstory and all that and, you know, fill in the gaps basically later on. But the main story is 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 kind of in starts and stops because um, there's four years between the first and the second book. The second and the third book are basically back to back. Then the fourth book is a year later. The fifth book is right after the fourth book. And then there's another four year gap between the sixth and the seventh. Um, so it's I, I built these gaps in into the storyline where I had this, I wanted to have a natural progression for the character in terms of responsibilities and all that, but I wanted to make it really realistic, like the actual military. And, and if you do that, you know, you, nobody wants to read about, you know, the tedium of the day-to-day -day work and working your way up the rank ladder and doing all the stuff that is not combat and whatever. That's not really, um, so I, I built myself a lot of elbow room between the, the books in the series, like I said, so I could then, um, I did see how um, James S.A. Corey was doing it, you know the the two guys that are writing the the right. expanse books right. where they have where they have the novels but then the backstory from the from the secondary characters they kind of like sandwiched in between the novels as novellas and i kind of wanted to do it the same way so i left myself a lot of room that now i have to go back or now that i can go back and fill in because i have space so um that's that's one reason that wasn't fully intentional but it's just the way it turned out because uh you know it's it's i never had a to answer your question a little more um, um, concisely there, that I did not have a storyline from the first to the eighth book. It's kind of, it was kind of like, I'm, I'm always thinking like one or two books ahead tops. That's, that's good. Kind of uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's good to know. And, and that you're able to kind of see how others were doing it too. I don't think there's any shame in that, uh, especially uh, authors like the guys behind uh, the expanse series, which mm -hmm. I've talked about on this uh, podcast before. Um so are there more short stories in the works? Are you going to go back to frontline periodically or is oh, yeah. or have you moved on? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on a bit on the treadmill right now because I'm writing the second so series that I'm also contracted for. So I have not really, my intent was to in between the novels, bring out the novellas and the short stories and to fill in those gaps. But in the last year and a half for obvious reasons i haven't really had a lot of spare bandwidth to do that so you know good intentions and all that but i fully intend to go back to it and because i have a list here on my on my uh, corkboard where i kind of took reader polls um on what kind of stuff they would like to see backstory of of what what secondary characters they would like to learn more about and i have a whole list of of kind of like a wish list of readers, what they want, you know, which characters they want addressed or which characters they want to hear more of. So I'm going to just kind of feed that in, in between the novels as, as time goes by after I turn in the next book, because right now I'm writing on the eighth uh, Frontlines book. And then after that, um, I'll start filling in the gaps between the books with more novellas and short stories. Nice, nice. Uh, you have a sergeant in the first book that I want to know how she got her Medal of Honor. That's I don't know if that's already on the works, that, but if it's that, not, it needs to be. <laughs> that is on my list. There's a there's a there's a index card here on my corkboard. I'm looking at right now. It says Frontlines Novellas, and the number one entry is how Sergeant Fallon got her Medal of Honor. That was yes. the, the yeah. biggest, uh, the most that, requested one. That's great. And uh, by the way, uh, when that does come out, uh, we definitely want you back uh, to talk about that. I because I've got I'm going to have questions based on that. But anyway, okay. okay. So so I keep I keep talking. So. Um, so speaking of these short stories, the, the kind of the filling in the storyline, uh, Lucky 13 and quick mm -hmm. confession, I said Terms of Enlistment was my first exposure to your writing, but I didn't realize <laughs> when I was watching Love, Death and Robots 
uh, episode. Uh, I can't remember which number it was, but lucky 13. 13. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Lucky 13 is episode 13 and it's exactly 13 minutes long. Yeah. It, and by the way, it's, it was, it was great. I loved it. Um, but I didn't realize that that was actually technically my first exposure to your writing. I didn't uh, read through all the credits, I guess. But um, so that's book 2.1. It's one of those that kind of helped fill in some gap area. It's a um, short story yeah, that came up yeah. between book two and three. Yes. Yes. So, um, so if anyone's keeping track, that puts you in the same company as uh, Alistair Reynolds, John Scalzi, Neil Asher, and some others. Uh, can you talk about the process of going from short story to a, a fairly popular show like Love, Death, and Robots? Um, I wish I could tell you that there was a whole lot of elbow grease involved on my part, but the story was already written. And my initial involvement kind of was limited to, I got an email one day from, from Tim Miller, who was the, you know, who directed the first season. And I guess he directed the second season. Yeah. He directed the second season as well with a lot of co-directors. Like each of the episodes has a, has its own director, but he's like the main guy in the project. Um, and he sent me an email one day and, uh, said, hi, you know, Tim Miller, you may have heard of me, you know, directed Deadpool and all that. And, and, uh, I was wondering, um, I, I like your, I love your frontlines books. And I was wondering if you have any short fiction that I could use for this project that I'm doing for, for Netflix. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, sure. As a matter of fact, yeah, I'm sure I have we can work something out, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, you know, when the director of Deadpool emails you and asks you if you have short stories that, uh, that he might be able to use for a Netflix project, you, you just go ahead and say yes. That's probably yeah, not- and then you figure it out, right? Yeah, exactly. So I sent him a bunch of stories and uh, he ended up buying um, two of them. And one of, one of which was Lucky 13, which is in the Frontlines universe. And then... Uh, well, I did. Then I didn't. Well, we did the contracts. You know, they they sent the check, and everything was great, which is nice, by the way. It's because uh, you've ri- you've written the story already, and if you sell the the uh, movie or TV rights, the uh, you don't have to do anything extra except sign a contract, and money shows up. So it's pretty great. But you know, then I si- I signed it and got the check, and it was nice. And then I didn't think of it for quite a while, until about a year later, until I started getting emails from Tim again, and he was uh, and and the segment director for for Lucky Thirteen, uh, Jerome Chen, and they started sending me uh, while that while it was in production, you know, production stills and like this demo reel and what what they were doing, and I was looking at it, and I was like, holy crap, that looks amazing, and uh, you know, see, seeing the stuff on the screen for the first time that came out of your head. You know, that's a story that you you cooked up in your brain and then somebody else takes it and puts it into the visual medium. Like the first time I saw the stills and the, and the demo reel, I was just blown away. I was um, I was super impressed. And uh, then the final product, you know, you've, I mean, you've seen all of Love, Death and Robots. They're all fantastic, every, every one of those episodes. But just seeing something that you thought up and then somebody else takes it and, 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 you know, there's actors that do the mocap and there's a whole bunch of animators. And uh, the, the funnest thing about it was kind of like the, the one that I'm kind of most proud of. And that is, I mean, I like the story, don't get me wrong. But at some point, the, the, the unit director, Jerome Chen, emailed me and said, it's a, in passing, he mentioned that um, this episode took six months to film because, you know, 3D Effect, effects are really expensive and they take a long time. So it took six months to film and they had 70 people working on it. And I'm like, wow, this story took me a week to write 
and it and and 70 people pulled out six months worth of paychecks out of that story so that, that was the that was the most amazing aspect to me it's like the, just the sheer amount of people are like oh they should make a third season and a fourth season it's just animation how long can it take can it yeah. take no it takes a long it takes time a well uh, the whole series is well produced uh so mm -hmm. it's clear that those uh, 70 people that worked on yours uh definitely put their elbow grease in that was really oh definitely it's really really a good series um uh so shapeshifters is your other one is it mm -hmm. involved in the frontline series at all or is it a second uh, i haven't that's, watched that one yet no that's kind of a secondary world urban fantasy that i had written the short story years ago and it was supposed to be you know i was like okay i could do military science fiction maybe try my hand at military fantasy so i came up with this idea of where of, of this um world where you know, werewolves are part of the military and they're like integrated, but they're integrated in the same way that that people of color were integrated in the US military during World War Two, you know, they like they, they do the scut work grudgingly accepted, but not really. And uh, so I had this story where we're, at, we're, you know, in the parallel world, we're actually in Afghanistan, but we have, you know, they use the werewolves basically as bomb detectors. And, and because there's this international treaty where you can't use it for combat because, you know, that's, that's a really bad thing. And they're, they're deployed to a country where the culture doesn't, you know, look, would look very, you know, grimly on, on them deploying werewolves on their soil. So, it's, it's, I had the idea, I wrote the story, same thing. It was, it was just this idea that was um, just rolling around in my head for a little bit. And one day it came together and I decided to write it. And it took about a, a week or two to write, same thing. And then it ended up on, on, on Netflix. But it's, it's a standalone that I had intended to develop into a urban fantasy series. But right now I have my hands, I, I have my hands so full with the, the military sci-fi stuff and the, and the space opera that I haven't had time to develop that one any further, but I've taken notes over the years. So one day I'll, I'll start with the, with that series too, but got so many ideas, so little time, right. <laughs> but uh, it, after the re reception that it got from love, death and robots, you know, I got plenty of people saying, well, we need a full series out of that. So now I'm, I'm there's a little more urgency behind it, but uh but I'm, so I'm glad it was received as well as it as it was because it's probably gonna result in me actually getting off my duff and and, and doing at least the first novel or two of that series. So, uh, quick uh, writing processes question: How much time do you are you you're a full time writer, right? Yeah, yeah. So, this. how much time? Uh, what's your day writing schedule look like on a given day? Um, I write from about. Uh, eight in the morning, whenever I get into the office, you know, I have breakfast with my wife, grab my coffee, get, go into the office. And I usually write till about um, one-ish, like lunchtime. Then, then I have a lunch and then the afternoon I, I spend with stuff that's, that doesn't require so much brain power, like, you know, responding to messages, emails, um, doing proofreading and doing edits and stuff. But the drafting is in the morning. Like when I, well, I'm still fresh, eight o'clock, I get, I get into my office, sit down and I type through till about lunch. And then um, the, the creative part, you know, the brain work is, is done for the day. And then I go to the, the, the second part of the day is more like for all the admin stuff, but I, I need to write when I'm, when I'm still fresh in the morning and when I'm on deadline and, and when I'm close to a, the end of a novel, then the whole schedule just goes out the window. Then I just get into the office and I write until I can, you know, I'm, I get tired. Like I think the, the highest I've done in a day was like 14,000 words and my brain was just putting afterwards. But so I wrote from like eight in the morning to 
two o'clock at night and then I was done because I just wanted to get finished with the last two chapters. So I just kind of hammered them out. But that's that's unusual. That's not that's not my usual productivity. I usually like to do the, you know, not slow and steady, but you know, medium speed and steady, just to get my, you know, five, six pages in every day uh, from breakfast to lunch. Nice. Um, okay. So well, Marco, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think I'm going to actually end up splitting this into two episodes because we've got so much good stuff here and so many oh, good wow, topics. Oh, wow, yeah, we talked for an hour. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and and that's fine. I am happy uh, with it. Uh, and I know that I'm I'm looking at my clock, and I know I'm actually in your prime writing time, so I appreciate oh, you making time yeah. for me. No problem. Um, so uh, in the final few minutes we have, uh, tell us how people can find out more about your work. Well, um since uh, 47 North is, is the uh, science fiction imprint of Amazon publishing most of my stuff, um, that's, uh, if, if you look for me on iBooks or in the, uh, at barnesandnoble.com, you probably won't find it uh, because um, 47 North tends to keep everything pretty much exclusive on Amazon. But if you go to Amazon and punch in my name, uh, you will have both of the series pop up. One of, one's called Frontlines, one's The Palladium Wars. Um, I also have a, uh, a website at marcoclose.com and where I do blog when I have the time or when I have something meaningful to say. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm not the blogging everyday kind of, kind of persons. So I, I, you know, I don't blog until I have something to announce or something to say, but, but that is where to go for news. And I am also on Twitter at Marco underscore close. Awesome. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes, folks. Um, so, uh, Marco Close, thanks for being my guest today. I really appreciate, like I said, your time. And uh, it's been really great talking to you, learning kind of the, the background to these stories that I've, I've grown to enjoy. Um, thank you all listeners for listening to the episode. Take a look at Marco's books, uh, particularly at the, uh, the links that will be in the show notes. Uh, they'll go straight to the Amazon pages where you can pick those up uh, based on his publisher. Um, Finally, be sure to subscribe to the Coffee and Space uh, podcast so you get the newest episode straight to your smart, de- uh, smart device. I'm Dan Smith, and I can't wait till we meet again over a cup of coffee in space. Mm-hmm.